The Fujicast is an independent loading zone production. Right, Kev, I don't quite understand what's going wrong in your in your life with this iPhone thing then. I know you've demacked your house. You do you've got something in your head about it, but that's fine. You've demacked your house, but you've also caused yourself a bit of a problem. Don't even talk to me. Well, I'm, I'm just thinking that somebody might be able to help because no. obviously I know you're very clever with computers, very clever with lots of stuff. So but but you're a bit back of the class when it comes to Macs. Well, it's not a Mac thing. It's it's an Apple thing. Oh, is and it? Oh, so, okay. <laughs> so uh, Rosa, Rosa was the last part of the jigsaw. She was still using an Apple iPhone. It got busted to bits, and so she's now on an Android phone, which you is bro- fine. I bet you um, broke it. I bet you did that. I bet <laughs> you stood on it. Oh, yeah. oh, Rosa, your phone's <laughs> fallen off the cliff. <laughs> <laughs> so she she's happy with a new phone. But yeah. one of the, the only subscription that I had to Apple was yeah. to back up her pictures every month. Yeah. Seventy nine pence. The seventy nine pence one. I've got that. Yeah. yeah, and so I now need to cancel that, of course. Right. Um, even though it's only seventy nine pence. So I go to Apple to try and sign in on the Apple website. No, can't do that. Yeah. Uh, you need to do it on your device or on a Mac. Uh, of course, don't have a device, don't have a Mac. So I, the only way, other way you can do it is install that horrible, horrible, horrible application iTunes on your Windows PC. In, in your opinion, obviously. Yeah. It doesn't even conform to the Windows UI standard. It, anyway, I've done that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I can. I, it says, right, you need to log into your account on iTunes and then you can go to your subscriptions, cancel it. Fine. Easy as, easy as. Uh, I, I click on my login. In, I lock, put my username and password in. Yep. Yes, you're in. Yeah. We now need to send you a six-digit code. Oh. Fine. Um, but it's sending my six-digit code to the phones that we no longer have. Oh. <laughs> and I'm just stuck staring at this frigging screen. Um, and there's an option. It says, didn't receive the verification code, question oh. mark. So I click that. And then it says, uh, we'll send it to uh, the registered telephone number, which doesn't exist anymore. We don't have it. So it's sending it. It can send a text message to a phone I don't have. It can send digits to a, an iPad I no longer have. And forever, they're just going to take my 79 pence off me. This is why they are f- it should be illegal. No, they can't call that terrible, <laughs> terrible. I might have to I might have to bleep that little bit out. That's not a no, swear word. I'm happy no, to I, get sued by them. <laughs> well, I'm not. Awful. <laughs> oh, Kev, what we need to do is we need to relax you a bit and say It is what it is. Fuji cast. Does that make you feel better? No, No, Kev, you can't say that. <laughs> right. Um, if anybody, by the way, can solve Kev's problem there, because I do see it, Kev, I understand it, I get it, then uh, perhaps you could um, you could contact us. Email oh, yeah. in. Why is it not just a, a website, I, I, yeah, I know. an Apple website, you can log in and see your subscriptions? Do yeah. you know why? Why? Because of this. This is how they get all the money off people <laughs> who can't do it. Kev, you're a little bit anti-Mac and anti-Apple, I know, but... I, I'm not, I'm all for... This is anti-consumer rights. This is borderline... <laughs> I put the word borderline in to protect us. <laughs> They're making it difficult on purpose. What do you think, Gemma? Oh, I know. <laughs> I quite agree with you. Your husband does It's like doesn't. Ikea. It's like Ikea where they make you walk in a certain direction around Ikea. Don't you start on Ikea. I love Ikea, as you're supposed yeah, to. Yeah, but I want to walk. I want to just go straight you to can, the stuff Kev, I want. I don't want to walk around all the bedding. No, and, Kev, and, there you know, are I don't sh- want to buy there are short, There are forks. shortcuts. Go and get the sausages. Kev, there are shortcuts. Have you never seen them? No. There are. Follow sure. the arrows. No, you don't have to, Kev. You can go off the beaten track. Well, and go I don't th- go to IKEA for that reason. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! Well, I tell you what, it's going to be one of those today, isn't it? I can feel it. Right um, on the show today. Apart from Kev's dislike of uh, quite large blue chips, um, we're going to be taking your questions 
on um, on a large company that he likes a lot. Fuji, well, we all like a lot. Fujifilm. Uh, and your cameras and your, your, your photography, things that you've been up to. We've got a few bumps to the front to, to do in a moment's time. Uh, Book of the Week, Kev, this week. Well, what did you choose? Oh, uh, Book of the Week this week is uh, Unfinished Stories by Lucy Hamidzai. Ah, Unfinished Stories. Um, almost definitely pronounced the name wrong. We used to have a buzzer, didn't we? Has Kev got that right or wrong? But uh, Kev always gets... Who thinks Kev always gets it right? <laughs> I think so. Yes, so, and especially about Apple. <laughs> um, right. Uh, and a guest this week. Who do we have as your... Because you, you've you've been working hard on the, the interviews. Peter Dench. Yeah. Funniest serious man I've ever met. Well, I got a, me- I got a message from Kev afterwards that said he's very funny. And, and that's the problem with text because you think oh i always thought he was quite a nice guy and i thought what you meant was he's a bit of an odd guy but that's not what you meant at all you meant that he was sincerely funny oh no i really like peter yeah yeah Yeah. i mean i don't know him particularly well i've met him a few times but we used to um we used to write for the same magazine and all that stuff you'll figure out in the interview but he is yeah beyond an amazing photojournalist he's a jolly nice chap he was always very witty in his writing wasn't he yes. very 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 witty but but also sometimes you know he, he would pick quite a dour subject and, mm. and yeah and, and still managed to to find some witticisms through it yeah well as you'll hear in the interview yeah, he, yeah. he he got one of the um press photo of the uh well placed in the press photo of the year uh, from a, a picture from a, a car accident oh yeah. wow i didn't i didn't know that about peter oh well, that's in the interview let's not do too many spoilers then mm-hmm. um right that's to come now bumped to the front i think we need to explain something before we do these by the way kev yeah <laughs> So bumps to the fronts are the benefit, the only benefit right now that you get as a patron. If you support us on Patreon, thank you very much. You can, you're entitled to be bumped to the front. You sell, you sell it so well, Kev. I know, I know. I'm, I'm the perfect salesman. Oh, uh, what that means is that your questions that will come to us through Patreon will get answered in a uh, timely manner. However, it is worth remembering that we often record the show in a couple of weeks in advance. So um, just do give us a few weeks to, yeah. to kind of get to everything. Before you digitally yeah. spear us is what uh, Kev's y- suggesting. There. Yeah. So on, on that point, we have, we've actually got a handful to, to, so to do. do. Yeah. Um, so uh, shall we, yeah, you, shall we crack well, on with the show, as Miranda might yeah. say? Yeah. Uh, so this one's from uh, Adam Crook. Oh, there we go. He might work for um, <laughs> Kev, I'm just, I haven't got time. I've got a lot on this weekend. I've got a 24-hour wedding. and I'm going to be sitting here. 24 hours i'm going to be sitting here editing out bits of you <laughs> so stop with the legal stuff i'm happy uh as well <laughs> uh, yes i you know I, I i'm trying to think of a way of anal- analyzing yeah, it move into uh, a question kev is what i'm saying he once said he would stand on on um, bob dylan's coffee table in his cowboy boots and say that Thames van zandt is the best singer songwriter in the world and i will stand on <laughs> A plinth in Trafalgar Square, and say that this practice is that you can't cancel it easily. Well, we we we, we well, might we might yet find a way of you doing it, Kev. We, we, we will, we will. Uh, <laughs> so right. The, so the, Adam the question, Adam. Um, this is quite a long one. Okay, so um, we'll, we'll we'll do it. A big hello to you both. I thought that it was about time to reach out and say hi. No, that was supporter of yours on Patreon. Thank you very much, Adam. Um, blah blah blah. I hope you had a wonderful wedding, Kevin. Blah 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 blah. I really enjoy the format and structure of the show. All too many things on YouTube, etc. Really. Uh, 
don't overly focus on the gear, but I have a good laugh with your air on banter, etc., etc. Blah blah blah. Um, <laughs> right, a question not for the show. <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> this isn't going very well, is it? <laughs> okay, so was curious uh, what you retain as benefits for patron supporters. Um, yeah, so uh, yeah, that is a very good question. All right, and well, yeah, patron, uh, we do do the bump to the front. Patreon in in terms of Fujicast, because I have my Patreon, don't I, on Photography Daily, and I treat that differently. But in terms of Fujicast, it's there to support the show because you, you quite like Kev's occasional outbursts about um, large large companies that make phones and watches. But it's not really there for lots and lots of benefits, is it? It's not the way that we set our one up. Well, not right now. So yeah. re- the, the planet, what you will get is um, discounts. Mm. Where as and when we can get our world spinning again properly, and we, you know, we've got we've got some plans. Yes. Then you will get substantial discounts on things that we we have planned. Yes. Um, but but right now, yeah, you you don't really get anything apart from the opportunity to <laughs> to get bumped to the front. I tell you what, Kev, we should if we had a private rant every single. You can write in about this because it wouldn't take that long to do, and I could upload it. If if do, do you want a ten minute rant every week? <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. The, there used to be a guy on um, on a radio station where I worked. It was on Chiltern Radio. What was his name? Bill Bill Young Bill Young, and he had a mon- he had a Monday moaning or Monday moan line, something like that. It was extraordinarily successful. It was the b- biggest feature of the week, and it gave everybody a chance to get everything off their chest on a Monday on the phone. It was usually Ethel from Dunstable. Um, I know Ethel. I know her very well. <laughs> yes, yeah, she moaned a lot. So there we go. Would that would that be a benefit? Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> but so it would be I, quite, mean, did, I yeah. have because I I basically do the patron stuff. Yes. Um, yeah. And you know I have I have kind of looked into the idea of merch, as they say, which yeah. I hate that word merch. You know, posters or stickers or t-shirts or something. Yeah. Um, and it's just all a bit tacky, isn't it? So we will we will reward um in a in, in the best way we possibly can, which is um by giving you nothing <laughs> <laughs> i think t-shirts and merch by the way can be a good thing but um, good i learned quite a lot a couple of weeks ago when i did a commercial shoot for monsoon from somebody who was uh, i think she was a buyer certainly within that sort of department we had a lot we had quite a long conversation about um why they choose the clothes that they choose and the, and the money that you spend being slightly you know that reassuringly expensive thing and that's because they don't go to select clothing made by people that are a certain age in, in sweatshops. It's not the way that they work. And so, therefore, you know, choosing merch that doesn't go down that line would be, I think, I, my eyes are far more open to it than they were even two weeks ago, Kev. If we were going to do that sort of thing, that it would have to be um, – well, it would have to fit sustainability and all those sort of things. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. That's easy enough to do. But it's, uh, you know, I think I can count on one hand the amount of people that would buy a T-shirt that said Fuji cast on it. Well, they might buy one with Mullins. Mullins is mad on the front with your <laughs> yeah. eyes and your eyebrows. Yeah, Mullins maybe. Is my It'd have to be a really big T-shirt if I had my eyebrows <laughs> on it. But anyway, Adam Adam then goes on to ask another question, um, which is, is probably what I should have read at the yeah. first point. Um, he says, uh, halfway through doing some street photography shooting on a beach in the Isle of Wight, and Shanklin, by the way, is where he was. He oh, says nice. he highly oh, recommends it. Shanklin, yeah. Unbeknownst to me, my X100V decided to reset the date and time. Mm. Um, he then says, or oh, does I never run out of battery, though it did change at one point, although I did change battery at one point. 
If you have any idea on why this may have happened, I'd be interested. But my question is this. Oh, so this is a three-pronged question. Mm. Is there a way to bulk update the EXIF data on a couple of hundred photos so that when I edit the RAWs, it doesn't think the year was 2000? So that would save me a lot of inconvenience. Take, taking the X100, um, was it a V, did, did he say? Yeah. A V? I have had a, a few anomalies happen, including of late, where I wasn't able to... Um, well, I, p- I put exposure compensation on the rear dial, and uh, it didn't matter which way I went, that the exposure compensation just kept going up and up and up and up. Um, I have done two factory resets now, but on both occasions, it's solved the problem instantly. Yeah, I, that's because... That's because you've set something. You've you've got your exposure compensation dial set for something else. Mm. Will have changed something definitely because you can do that. Yeah, you can change the way that that operates. So, um, but it's only or possible to the other one. thing is you might have had it left next to your iPhone, <laughs> and the iPhone is probably stuck in all the goodness out of your your X one hundred V and destroying it. I don't think that's the truth, Kev. I, I well, think uh, I, the real answer to, to Adam's question probably is that if the if the date did just change yeah. when you it probably would have happened when you switched batteries, and more than likely that means that the CMOS battery inside the camera, which is a little tiny, it's like one of those watch batteries, yeah, you know, yeah. um, has uh, run out or has had uh, you know a problem. Could have um, even maybe they've got moisture in it if you're on a beach or something. Yeah. Um, so just keep an eye on that. Shouldn't shouldn't have it. It, it will have if you leave your camera without a battery for a very long time. You know, we're talking months. Yeah. Then you'll notice that when you turn it on again, it, everything will have reset, and that's because the CMOS battery has to charge itself from a battery that's in the camera standard battery. Yeah, I'd be very surprised if he, if he uses it even once a month. Um, that that would should be fine, shouldn't it? That, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you, we're talking months. So that's why yeah. I said, you know, just just keep an eye on that. If that happens yeah. regularly, then you might want to just send it in for a, a quick CMOS swap out. Well, yeah, I, um, the X100F during lockdown, I didn't use it for about five months. I came back to it, bing, started up, no problems at all. Yeah, 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 it depends. It does depend. It depends on a lot of things. So things like the air, the, the temperature of the room it's in, all that kind of stuff oh, will affect the CMOS yeah, battery. CMOS true. batteries typically last for a very long time. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And they will last forever if you do put your battery in. And that last, so to answer the final the part final of the question, question yeah, yeah, <laughs> which is about the EXIF data, yeah, you yeah. can do it. You can actually do it in Lightroom. Um, I use Photo Mechanic. I shot a wedding the other day, or the other day, last month, a couple of months ago, in fact. And um, I just, one of the things I always do before a wedding is sync my camera's times, and I hadn't. I think it was the first one I'd done after lockdown. So I was like, there was uh, like a 48 minute difference between my two cameras so yeah photo mechanic just yeah. uh highlight the ones that you want right click and uh, not right click go to the tools menu in photo mechanic and choose uh, adjust date and time and i'm pretty sure you can do it in lightroom um although i'm not i don't know the menu item right now but it, they, i'm fairly sure you can do it in lightroom yeah. I'm not sure about Capture One. Um, probably you can do it in there. Oh, if you don't have any of those things, there is a tool called Exif Tool that right. you can download from the internet. But yes, so there is plenty of ways. Oh, I wish it. I'd have known that about two weeks ago when I was sorting the um, the Indian wedding that I shot. When Nat, Nat uh, was the second shooter on that and the, our clocks were all different to each other. I thought, oh no. And I sort of painstakingly put everything in all. I did it, but it did take a while. Oh, Kev, I should have known about that. That would have solved that. Right, next next bump to the front. Next one is from Sam, Sam Meggs. He says, uh, hi, Neil and Kev, love the show, yada, yada, yada. My question is in regards of advertising in different markets. I'm based in Ontario, Canada, but I have dual citizenship in Canada and the United Kingdom. Lucky oh. you. Mm. I'm trying to find a way to market myself in the UK for a few months to somewhat extend my wedding season as it gets pretty cold here. 
My question is, how would you go about it? Would you create a, a, a whole other social media website, etc.? I know when Google, it is largely based off your location. Yes. So I think that might be out. Any suggestions would be greatly appreciated. Yeah. Uh, we've we've talked about this before and the location thing's instantly going to be a problem there, isn't it? Yeah, but you don't... Yes. Yeah, so the Google stuff typically is is location-based these days. You can't, days. Just, you so can't just get Google. a .co.uk, can you, and, and expect for... Well, to a certain extent you can. I mean, you... Yes, first of all, get a .co.uk domain name um, registered in it with a UK host. So if people then type wedding photographer, for example, it's more than likely Google going to deliver the local results, local search results. But if somebody types in, uh, you know, Watley Manor wedding photographer, for example, yeah. Watley Manor being a venue, then it will start delivering results of photographers that have shot at Watley Manor and not necessarily the ones that are local to Watley Manor because it's clever enough to figure that stuff out. Has that changed then, Kev? Because I thought one of the problems was that it was picking out photographers that lived close to a venue, not necessarily those that have any experience of a venue. Mm. I no, thought, not really. It's, oh, it's, I it's, thought, hmm. No, it's, it, it, you know, they're clever. They understand these things. They understand that, you know, if you're if you're searching for a generic term, such as, I don't know, let's just say you're searching for pizza, you know, that if you type in pizza in your search engine now and I type it in mine, we'll get very different pizza Let, restaurants. Let's see who I get. Pizza. What ignore, you, the, ignore the adverts. Just go straight to the first, the first one. Actual result. You do, 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 treat yourself to the best pizza, DeLuca. DeLuca, which actually yeah. is not that local. And the, the local one is literally three minutes walk down the road, but it's given me one in Marlow Bottom. So my one is the birdcage, which I can, I can smell them cooking their pizzas. Well, I can smell that adverts. one more than I can smell the one in Marlow's Bottom, if you pardon the expression. <laughs> Yeah, but your IP address is not necessarily where your house is. Uh, right. Yeah. So, but yours you know, is, and it, and also if you're if you're not logged, so if you're logged into your Google account, which it I will am. be more accurate. I am. I'm logged in. But your your IP address might not be nailed oh. onto your house. Obviously, it thinks I live in Posh Marlow. But if you let's think, if you type in, I don't know, let's type in wedding, yeah, pizza, pizza van, van. There we go. Wedding Pizza Van. So the closest one I get is one in Hampton. The Doe and Deer Mobile Pizza Van. I've got Doe and Deer as well, yeah. So so my point is, because that's not a generic term, Yeah, it's delivering us the same results because we're both looking for something far more specific. Yeah, very, very And that's yeah. the same as like venues and stuff like that. It knows. They're clever enough to know that. You know, if you're looking for a photographer at a specific wedding venue, you're yeah. not necessarily looking for somebody who lives near that wedding venue. You're no. looking for people who have worked at that wedding venue. Well, well that, that's most certainly changed, Kev, from a conversation we've had in the lifetime of this podcast, where one, one, one of the sets of Google changes most certainly wasn't finding all the lovely work in your blogs you'd done involving, say, on Watley Manor across the years. It was simply favouring the closest photographer to that venue. It was like a local Geddon for the, for those who'd spent time optimising for a venue because it would more likely go to the person living next door with two weddings experience and maybe a pizza business on the side. So so it is tricky. Yeah, I mean, it will be tricky, of course, social media and everything. You don't want to... You don't want to um, muddy the waters with your with your Canadian work. No. Um, I mean, I would probably... It's a bit chicken and egg, this then, because he's got to come across and shoot some weddings that clearly look very English and in English think- venues, hasn't he, really? Otherwise, you, pictorially, when you go there, it doesn't matter what, what, what you've managed to make Google do. If you see lots of Canadian weddings... Is that going to be an issue? Potentially. I think I, if it was me, if I was in this situation, I think I would just rely on um, advertising. Yeah. Google AdWords, yeah. whatever, you know, um, that kind of thing. You know, maybe have a 
if you do, if you don't want to go into the cost of having a new website and all that kind of stuff, maybe have a section of your website that is specifically for your UK weddings. Um, the adverts are driven there. Explain the situation. You're only there for a couple of months. You're a professional yeah. photographer. See the rest of my work, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah. Um, and just use yeah, use use adverts because uh, organic marketing for that is going to be very very difficult yeah. without any footprint at that at all. Good luck with that. Right. I think we had we had quite a few there. So go on. Next one, Kev. I think the first half is going to be our bump to the front. It is this week. Yeah. Um, next one is Jeremiah Trulio. Um, I randomly found your podcast in my search to find a, a Fujifilm community. Wow. And your passion for photography is inspiring and challenges me to go shoot daily. Yeah. Anyways, I am from San Diego, California, and I mostly photograph documentary style of family and everyday life. My question is, do you have any tips or words of wisdoms when developing your style? I've been photographing for five years and I feel like a lack of consistent look and feel to my photos. We answered this already, haven't we? Well, we haven't answered this specific one, but we have talked about this subject. Yes, we have. Uh, and the style one is such a difficult one because it can come down to lots of different things. One thing that we did discuss was style can be associated with, um, well, it could be associated with, with a look and feel as far as a focal length goes. We've had that conversation about shooting with you know taking all the lenses out your bag and just using one or two at the most a focal length can be a style can't it mm -hmm. yeah. um and post-processing i think we were both a little bit nervous about suggesting that as a style because those sort of trends come and go don't they what's mm -hmm. a crushed black today uh will be a sort of soft yellow tomorrow or whatever um so we were a little bit cautious about about post-processing being a style Mm. Um, what else did we come across with there? I think that was pretty much it. Yeah, it was last week, wasn't it? I think so. It's it's fairly similar. Um, yeah, I mean, your style ultimately is something that, you, as long as you're comfortable with it, it doesn't yeah. really matter. And then ultimately. we did, we discussed Salgado, of course, who has lots of different styles depending upon what he shoots. Yeah, I mean, his his landscape work, which is gorgeous, is not the same as the work he shoots when he's photographing indigenous peoples, for for example, and and the portrait work that he does um, mm. is different. Right. Yeah. Next one. Right. Steve Pereira. Hi, guys. A couple of things. Uh, similar to Kevin, I returned back to martial arts training at a mature stage in life. Uh, he, he says <laughs> over 50. Um, <laughs> in a, <laughs> no accurate date, just over 50. Oh, right. uh, and it was uh, Shotokan Karate. Oh. I found it pre pretty tough on my joints and muscles for quite a few months, but mm. things seem to have settled down now quite nicely. Yeah. Uh, he's been back for five years. Um, so there's a couple of questions in this. How did you, Kevin, find the physical aspects of returning to judo? <laughs> <laughs> and would you recommend yeah. it for others? It's the judo cast. I love this bit. There is a question at the end. He yeah. goes, uh, by the way, in my dojo, those of us at the senior end are referred to as Creaky Corner. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> I'm definitely introducing Creaky Corner to our dojo. Um, oh, brilliant. And uh, so before we answer the X100 thing, uh, yeah, I mean, I, 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 it's really funny because uh, it's very apposite, which is that <laughs> word. I don't know what it means, but you say it a lot. You've so used it twice in a row now, Kev. Yeah. Um, Gemma this morning when we were getting out of bed, she, she kind of... Uh, you know, pulled the covers off. You've got to get up. It was time to get up. You've got to take Albie to school. Yeah. Um, and then she went, bloody hell, look at those bruises. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, uh, I was properly dumped on, uh, on oh, Wednesday dear. night um, oh, by a 14 year old boy. Uh, but it's great. I do love it. But yeah, you're you right. Do. I mean, my, the hardest thing for me is, is when we have to kneel down at the beginning, kneel, kneel down at the end. Uh, I'm like, <laughs> that's the hardest thing. Just the actual kneeling, the rest of it I can deal with. But um, <laughs> that, yeah. 
Um, so yeah, so the question then is, secondly, I'm still carrying around my original X100, um, the uh, Finepix X100, of course it was originally. The original one was, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah. It seems to slow me down when I'm taking photographs and put more thought into it. Mm. Uh, it's also the only camera that I talk to and usually swear at. <laughs> <laughs> Would you still recommend other people buying the original X100 as a daily carry around? Um, all the best. Well done on the show, Steve. Well, if you're not using it for uh, for anything professional, yes. Um, I mean, I, I, I've i really, as you know, fallen back in love with the Fujifilm X-Pro1. I bought a new lens for it the other day, a 12mm Samyang to go on the on the front. Fantastic. Love it. Well, um, why, why did you buy that? I've got one of them in my cupboard. You could have had that. Oh, really? Well, I, I yeah, figured I've, I've stolen so it. many of your lenses, I can't keep stealing them. <laughs> Um, oh, well, I bought one now, Kev. Oh, you had that one. Ah, oh, never yeah. mind. Okay, we, we ne- both... literally never use it. It was one that's in my potential MPB. Well, no, it will be in my MPB list when I get around to doing it. Right. Uh, well, MPB. I bought this one from MPB, so I could have been buying yours. <laughs> so, um, but X100 wise, oh god, that camera drove me mad. I did like it. I wouldn't say I ever loved it. You did love it because it changed the the focus, quite literally, of your. Of your uh, of your photographic career, didn't it? But but um, it was quite a frustrating camera. Yeah, original. it was. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember being in a uh, took it on holiday, and we had the we won a competition to um, on on EasyJet to go up to the see the captain at the end of the flight. We we guessed the miles between two destinations, and he said, "Did your little boy want to sit in the captain's seat and have a photograph?" I said, "You bet." And I had my X one hundred. This thing would not focus because of the backlight, and in the end, I, I ended up using my my iPhone. So it did have its moments, didn't it? Well, you know, the, yes, but that's because you had that camera near your iPhone and your iPhone is sucking away all the goodness. <laughs> no, Kev, it was nothing to do with that at all. It was the mm-hmm. fact that it was appalling in, in backlit conditions, and you know that as well. But yeah, it, wasn't it had great. Ma- it w- many other things that it was good at. It wasn't uh, it wasn't quick to focus and it was it was frustrating. But yeah, I mean, if it's it certainly would slow you down, uh, as Steve says. So if you're interested in uh, carry around camera, that's that's literally going to give you a look that none of the others do as well. Yeah. Then then, yeah. yeah, that's the camera. Well, for that certainly you. would do it. Yeah. Apposite, by the way, um, yeah. I, I've, I've got it here. Apt in the circumstances or in relation to something. This is the way they say you should pronounce it. Apposite. No. No, that's opposite. Opposite. Oh, opposite ap- what? No, no, she is saying opposite. But I've always thought it was opposite. Opposite. Oh, okay. Right. I'm going to keep saying opposite. So basically it's the same as apt. But with more letters. So it makes you more important. <laughs> Right, Ludis says, uh, as an amateur photographer, I've enjoyed listening to the two of you over the past 199 episodes. Wow. Ooh. But there is something I don't think you have really discussed. Oh. Mm, dun, dun, dun. How is it that you maintain enjoyment of photography while doing it as your means of living? And then he goes on to uh, explain, I know Kevin would love to be on the rugby pitch taking pictures, but he doesn't. Oh. Neil would love to be at the airport telling stories. Yeah. But he isn't. No. So uh, essentially he's saying, you know, why is it that you're not doing the stuff that you, you think you would love to do? And, you know. To use a lovely it. to use a lovely expression from Only Fools and Horses, it's all to do with the bunts. I, I bought two lottery tickets this morning, Kev. I'm bound to win one of them, surely. But, yeah. um, but it, with all the money in the world, I would be doing things slightly differently. I'd still be photographing. Of course I would. But then I, I would have the time to say, I'd love to come to Heathrow for the next two weeks and work for absolutely nothing just to try and sort of, um, but I'm, I'm not at that. I'm not sadly not at that stage. 
But there's plenty of people who go to Heathrow and, and do photography and it's not for nothing. There's plenty of sports photographers who get paid reasonably well. You know, yeah, but they've worked, themselves, yeah, they've worked themselves into that position. It took me 16 years to get in a position where I feel like I've got, <laughs> got a strong, notwithstanding pandemic wedding business. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting question. Um, and yeah, ultimately, somebody asked me the other night, actually, we were out and he said, what do you do? I said, I'm a photographer. He said, what do you photograph? I said, anything that gives me money. <laughs> um, and, you know, and that, that, <laughs> that's, that's, that's the brutal truth of it. It, is, it doesn't yeah. mean that... Um, you know, the inference in the in the question is perhaps a little bit off in that, you know, we photograph weddings, yeah. mostly weddings, and that doesn't mean we don't enjoy those. Of course we do, because, you know, you, you certainly wouldn't be spending Saturdays at other people's weddings if you didn't enjoy that job. Um, it's not, you know, it's not the same as, you know, if you're a, if you're a pen pusher and you hate it, you know, there's plenty of pen pushers like pushing pens, so, you know, I'm not, I'm not knocking them. But, uh, you know, if you're in an office all day pushing the pen around and you really hate it and you, you dream of doing something else, that's slightly different. Uh, you know, we're, we're still taking pictures. We're still doing the things we yeah, like. Yeah. Um, we're just, you know, there's always something that you, you want to do. And that's why you've got the, the lottery tickets today, isn't it? You know, yeah. oh, gamble safely. Everybody. Well, I'm, I'm, sharing, I'm sharing it with you, Kev, if I win, clearly. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm going to buy have, you a 35 uh, millimeter. It's going to be the first thing I do. That's right. Well, you'll probably just win another... <laughs> <laughs> win a pound ticket for next week. Yeah, probably, yeah. But um, going out and being able to photo... I'll tell you one thing, uh, and it's, it's partly because of the other podcast, of course, but I suppose in, in terms of enjoyment, I've made far more landscapey. I don't call myself a landscape photographer, but photographs in the landscape than I've ever done in my, my entire photographic existence. So, th And I enjoy that. Does mm. that count? Yeah, I suppose. I mean, I, I, I guess the question was really, why are we not... You know why? Why are you not have your living is not of something that no. is your dream? Um, and the answer simply is that most people it isn't true, is it? It's no. just not. Um, you know, and oh. then when it does, be, when you are doing what your dream is, often that dream can turn into a bit of a nightmare. Yeah. Well, what was that phrase? Be careful what you wish for. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly that. In terms though of my my airport dreams, being being the airport the airport photographer, well, it's never far from my mind, Kevin. When I am at airports, which is not very often in these days of the C word, or, or at all come to that, but prior, prior to the war, Rodney, I, I, I do find myself seeing exactly how I might make stories when I'm when I'm at, at, at an airport. I'm just I'm just trying trying to resolve how I might communicate that to a buyer or or the the airport itself. W would you like to photograph more rugby again, though? Um, yeah, I mean, I've done plenty of that actually in the past. Yeah, I know um, you have. Yeah. And I did enjoy it. But yeah. yeah, it was not not for any financial gain. I mean, I've got I've got some projects coming up that I'm really, really interested in doing um with some musicians and things that yeah. are yeah. that are will basically be um what do they, what do the models call it? TFT. Is it time for No time for TFP is what it used to be called, time for prince. I don't know what it's uh, called now. Yeah, yeah, time for prince. So that that's essentially the relationship I've got with this with this um band. Band, yeah. So uh, I'll be doing stuff for them, and um, and hopefully they'll be taking me around the world on their bus. <laughs> well, let's hope it's a Learjet rather than a bus. <laughs> right, guest Peter Dench. Um, obviously, you're about to reveal a lot more about Peter through your interview, but um, give us a reason why you contacted him. I know you know him. What what was it that drew you to Peter? Oh, oh well, the reason why why I, I got him on the show was because we I bumped into him at the photography show and when we were having a chat and I, I and at this while I was talking to him my, my mind just ticking I was thinking have we done have we had Peter have we had Peter have we no had we Peter? haven't have we no.
Uh, and then literally as he was walking away, I said, I'm going to ring you next week. I'm going to ring you. And of course, I didn't ring him. I sent him an email because that's what, when you say you're going to ring somebody these days, that's what you do, don't you? you send them an email or you WhatsApp them. Uh, and yeah, so that was it. So, um, but no, he is, uh, he, you know, he's a, he's a really well, like, we've, we've reviewed several of his books we before. Have. Yeah, yeah. He's a very well-respected um, photojournalist, and uh, yeah, so it's a really interesting conversation, I feel. And uh, we've split this into two parts across the next two Fujicasts. So here's part one today of Kev's conversation with Peter Dench. Well, I, I mean, I think our paths first crossed, I think, when we both used to write an article for Professional Photographer magazine many, many years ago. And uh, mine was all boring and business, and yours was the, the very humorous Dench's Diaries uh, which was amazing. I used to love reading that. Um, but tell us a little bit about your your background, your photography background, and uh, you know, where, how, how, how did you become a photojournalist? Oh, crikey. Um, I guess I got my first camera when I was 14 years old. Um, I was a keen cricketer before that, but I could never quite get over the nerves of opening the batting and failing in front of a crowd. You know, I used to feel nauseous weeks before a game, so I kind of traded in all my cricket gear and I thought, well, what can I do that will get me out and about? And I thought, well, photography seems like, um, you know, an interesting way to, to see the world. So, so I picked up a camera around about the age of 14 and then sort of going through my teenage years, I was, I was fired from every job I had mm. until only photography remained. And then I thought I'd better, you know, make a go of it professionally um you know if you can travel the world make people laugh make people think and have a few drinks along the way that that didn't seem a bad way to live so there's no plan b this is it for me i've got i've got no other interests no other professional skills so uh yeah it's been 20 what three years according to the tax man (laughs) <laughs> yeah, of course, the all-important tax man. And uh, yeah, well, no, it is. Fun. It is. Uh, it's great that you, you, you know, you have this kind of um, uh, like humorous view on life, and that does come across in in a lot of your work. And you know, and uh, I think you know we've we've spoken on the podcast several times. We've done a lot of your uh, reviews of your books. Um, and I think, you know, ultimately for people who don't know you, I think then if they look at your work and then they look at your stuff online or they see an interview or whatever, I think they will pick up on this fact that you're, you know, you're, you enjoy what you do. And, and I think that's, that's super important enjoying it. Um, yeah, <laughs> but you, you only see what you put out there. You know, this is like, you mentioned the the column for professional photography magazine, I think it was. And yeah. Yeah, the reason I kind of did that was to try and sort of talk about the, the the bits between the highs. You know, you only ever read about a photographer's success, the, yeah. the awards they've won, um, the exhibitions they have and, and the books that mm. are being published. And, you know, I've had my fair share, but I also know that weeks can drift by of darkness and gloom and, you know, lacking motivation. So, you know, while I do enjoy you know what what I how I behave as a photographer you know it's it's not all uh, I don't jump out of bed spring out of bed uh, every morning full of the the joys of photography I have to graft at them and you know work hard to find those highs and you know that that's been consistent yeah yeah of course and it's it's good it's nice to see people uh, you know, showing both sides of the uh, of the bread, if you like, um, and that you know that that's really important. I think it keeps people 
you know other people in the industry down to earth really to a certain extent um so talking of awards though <laughs> um i was looking at your uh your website and i came across that that picture and i, I is it a car crash the world press photo award um looks like some kind of car accident yeah that's that's one photo in in a series um i think the world press photo award uh crikey when was that 2003 um so it was a series of 12 pictures uh which placed third in the people uh in people in the stories category i'm, I'm not sure sorry people in, news. It's, it's people in the news stories category yeah, yeah. so um I'd, it was the first time i'd entered um mm. you know I, I joined an agency which was full of award winners you know tom stoddard um harry borden zed nelson so it was all part of what the agency encouraged us to do and so i entered for the first time and placed third and i thought well, well that was easy <laughs> and then i haven't won since and i always wondered whether it's better to to win at the beginning um to elevate your career at a young age or to yeah. win towards the end and have your life's work validated but but you know that that picture was was an important image um i don't know whether you'll be able to direct your listeners to it we will indeed yeah absolutely um, but you know humor as you've touched on is an important tool in my photography uh, but it's difficult to get right um i think if you can disarm the viewer you know with a humorous picture or a sequence of humorous pictures you know they kind of relax a bit and they're not sure what to expect next and then if you put in a picture in the sequence of the the car accident you know i think the impact is tenfold if i showed you 10 pictures like that you'd kind of brace yourself for what's coming next and understand that it's a you know a series of serious pictures so you know whether it's an exhibition a book or a magazine spread ultimately i want the viewer you know i want to make them laugh i want to make them think you know and if possible effect change um so that particular picture was was very important to me because i was shooting a a, a reportage on you know england's relationship with alcohol mm. and you know i'd done lots of amusing pictures and gone to lots of events uh, and i showed them to my editor uh, and he said well you know you're you're a photojournalist peter and this this sounds rather grand but he said you know you you've got to create an anthropological legacy and you know have something to say um so you know i started photographing in ae wards um, rehabilitation centers and i i did want to you know highlight drink driving um so i got in touch with the the bristol rapid response unit who invited me out for a weekend with them on patrol Mm. and you know i went down put myself up in a hotel went out on the first night it's just me and you know the rapid response uh, individual and, mm. and when a 999 call comes in they go first and if it's not life threatening uh, you get to stand down and an ambulance will go instead so on the first night we we didn't actually um get to any incidents so so it's tricky because you know I didn't want to waste my time and my money and but I obviously didn't want anyone to get hurt either but on the second night we kind of arrived at this scene um you know the rapid response driver did his job 
um, you know, I stood back and then he kind of turned to me and said, I'm, I'm pretty confident this is a drink related car accident or an alcohol related accident. Um, so I took t- two rolls of film on a medium format camera. So 20 r- frames, 22 frames probably exist of this scene. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the chap, um, the driver, uh, unfortunately died about three hours after uh, the accident. So you, you'll only see two pictures from this and he's not identified in either of them, you know, because yeah. uh, it's, it's my responsibility ultimately what to put out into the world. You know, why do I think this picture is important? Why do I think it should be seen? And people can always ask me that and, you know, I'll, I'll have an explanation for me. It was, a, you know, an important picture to be used within the context of, of, alcohol in England and you know I think the police still use it as a educational sort of image in in presentations and things but yeah it's a a difficult moment yeah well it is very powerful and and you know rightly did come third in the uh press uh press award and um I mean I think you know you said a couple of things there that are uh touched on me one was the this idea of legacy um because we speak about this a lot on the on the podcast Neil and I and uh, you know, of course, your your primary concern has to be, you know, to make a living, put food on the table, all of that kind of stuff. Um, but then there's, there is this idea of legacy, isn't there? And this idea of, uh, you know, when you're gone, there's this whole body of work that that will will be here for a lot longer. And and it's really important. I think it's really important. And, and you know, when you're shooting, when you're making your stories, are you I, does that come into your mind? Do you think that far ahead? Do you think this is this is an important piece? Oh, good question. Um, Probably not while I'm shooting, probably afterwards. I mean, those, you know, Alcohol in England and a book called England Uncensored, they both took 10 years. (laughs) And now I'm 50 years old. If if I do another two projects that take 10 years, I've only got two left. (laughs) Um, So in that sense, I'm kind of more aware that I want to, what I want to say, I want to package it up and get it out quicker, you know? So at the moment I'm kind of in a run where instead of doing books, I'm I'm putting out zines because it's just a more affordable way for me to distribute work and for people to collect it. So, you know, that's, that's kind of where I am at the moment, but yeah, I guess, yeah. Legacy sounds a bit egotistical, doesn't it? But yeah, we do take pictures you know, the way I see it is, you know, I have a view of England in particular, um, and I'm just contributing my eye to the National Archive on it. It's by no means the definitive, yeah. um, you know, archive. You know, I'm sure if I grew up in suburbia rather than a working class seaside town, I'd see a lot differently. Um, mm. So, you know, I'm just kind of aware that you know, I've, I think I've got something to say and, you know, I just want to make a small contribution um, to, to a wider archive so yeah it's, it's always there I think this this idea of, of legacy but not in a you know <laughs> I want to be remembered kind of way but so, you know ultimately I guess you know the reason I do books and, and things like that is because you know they do matter and uh, it's just a nice way of closing off uh, a photographic chapter. Yeah no absolutely totally and, and that's quite a uh... Uh, yeah, non non egotistical answer as well, which is which is good, uh, which is nice to hear. And so, I mean, what what is your 
it says on your website, uh, photographer, presenter, writer, author, educator, and curator. That does sound egotistical. No, no, no. Uh, yeah, but what? <laughs> but the, the point I'm trying to make is, you know, what's your day job? What happened? Like this afternoon, could you get a call from a newspaper, uh, you know, to go off and do uh, do a, you know do a shoot of a I don't know a, a, an incident in London, or maybe there's a new diamond ring being shown at the, uh, the National Gallery. You know, is it is it that diverse? Do you? Or, or is it? Is it? You know? Do you have these long-term projects that are essentially what you work on all of the time? I hope I don't get a call this afternoon. I've got a tennis match booked. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I kind of. I'm not spot news, um, so I, I. I kind of define myself as you know, having a sideways glance, you know, working between the lines. I guess so. I, I am a contributor to Getty Images. Mm. Um, but what that generally means is, you know, I'm not staff, so they won't call me up and get me to cover. I think um, the Chelsea Flower Show yeah. was this week, but I could go on my own esteem, um, my own, you know, my own motivation, mm. and then make an edit that I think is complementary to the Getty staff photographers, and then upload those as a contributor. Um, so the way I work is kind of a, a bit more sort of you know, brewing. It's uh, you know it's it's, it's, a, it's a bit softer, I guess. Um, yeah. it, it takes time, so I kind of you know I won't get a call on what on the day that may, sends me out to photograph in the afternoon. But I will wake up and look at the news, you know, each morning, see what's happening in my you know in London or further afield. And then kind of have a look what's been produced already, see if I've got something else I can add, something different to say. And if I feel as though that's the case, then I might sort of take myself off to to do that. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, when I when I first started, uh, you know, it was I was a photographer. That's that was it. You know, there was none of this writer, curator, presenter. But that's become necessary. Mm. Um, you know, I remember sort of about 10 years ago that, you know, I'm, I'm mainly an editorial photographer. I supply pictures for magazines and newspapers or in print and online. And I remember like the writers were being asked to take photos um, because budgets were being squeezed. And I thought, oh, that, that's not great. Surely it's better if a, a photographer can provide the words. So, you know, I started adding that to, to the the package I could deliver to editors. And then, you know, now we have to do everything, don't we, Kevin? I can, I can do a meme, a GIF, record sound, sketch, yeah. <laughs> present, take photos, you know, what, whatever is required. But, but I like that. I think that's what's kept me interested, um, you know, in photography. And, and just to ramble on a bit, you know, the, the writing is, is kind of really important to me. And when I sort of reached 40, I kind of realised that my competitors weren't going away um, and they were actually doing good work. Mm. So I kind of thought, well, you know, wh why don't I take an interest in what they're doing and try and learn from, from their practice? So, you know, I produced a, a book, a, you know, where I wrote about photographers I admired and, you know, I now contribute articles regularly to Amateur Photographer mm -hmm. and a column to Professional Photo Magazine. Yeah. called The World According to Dench. 
will to court into Dench. Or Dench, for sure. <laughs> and Peter Dench returns next week for a second part in which he talks about the ethics on the street. And funnily enough, it's a, it's a conversation we've been having on my other podcast, Photography Daily, with a guest we've had on this podcast in the past. She's always amazing value to hear and talk with. So uh, this week on Photography Daily, on Friday, Valerie Chardin is back to complete this series of conversations that started last week. For those who haven't heard Photography Daily, it's a Friday photo walk. On a Friday, oddly, where I take not so much your questions, but your thoughts about photography on a long walk. Just you, just me, our cameras, some quiet time together, hearing inspirational clips from a myriad of wonderful photographers. And then our special guest this week, as I said, Valerie Jardin. This week, the importance of making work on the street. There are just too many disrespectful street photographers out there that are giving the genre a really bad rep. And it's a shame because it is so important. I mean, if we don't document everyday life in a beautiful way, and I'm not saying beautiful, it doesn't have to be all people kissing, but I mean, in a respectful way, we won't have anything of this era left other than selfies of people or we'll have surveillance footage. And we do touch on the do's and don'ts of working on location with your camera, making pictures of the public at large and what can cause eyebrows to raise. It's happened recently, actually. I photographed this young girl uh, with a kite and I was walking on the beach. I stopped for a second, framed the shot, and I kept on going. And then all of a sudden, this woman runs after me and said, hey, did you take a picture of my daughter? And I'm like, oh, boy. So that's Valerie Jardin on the Photography Daily Friday Photo Walk, wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want extra Mullins, well, you can do that too on the Incapable Staircase website. You can hear his weekly country music show. It goes out live Thursday afternoons, 3.30 p.m. UK time, or in the best traditions of modern media these days, you can go to the website and play catch-up with old episodes or shows, if you will. And of course, we'll have links to Extra Mullins on the show page today, which is available on fujicast.co.uk. Right, back to your questions. Um, it, it was quite a busy sort of Patreon um start wasn't it really today kev which is not a bad thing because there's always interesting questions within it yeah. so thank you mohammed pirani has written from markham which is ontario canada question for the two of you how do you carry your cameras when shooting a wedding uh, so if you have two bodies with a say 23 on one 56 on the other do you use two shoulder straps and swing them around as you need them or do you use a messenger bag with one inside the bag while using the other uh, maybe you guys use a spider holster and swap them around as you need to. Well, you've just described the way I work. I think you work the same way, actually, Kev. Spider holster, isn't it? One's on the spider, yeah. one's on the strap. Yeah. And it seems to work really well, really quickly. Yeah, the little spider, not the not the one with the belt that goes around oh, it, the no. one that you uh, one thread that, into your own belt. Yeah. The, the one that looks like a big flappy ear on the side of your yeah. of your body. I don't use that. But you, you've actually looked up the um, the correct description for what we, we both use. It's called a Spider Holster Black Widow Spider Camera Holster. In one. That's exactly it. £49.99 on Amazon. There we go. Get it delivered by Wednesday, 6th of October. That yeah. seems to be a bit of a delay. Are you Prime? It's got to come on a lorry, ain't it? There's no oh, lorries. God, yeah. Even Prime now doesn't come on time, does it? Nope. Got to get a lorry in. Have you got fuel in your car? Yeah, I did get fuel. Don't talk to me about fuel. 
I did manage to get it. I had to go to Swindon. No, I went to Sirencester. <laughs> you, you, I drove 200 miles to get my fuel, and then I, I got back and even, I was empty again. What's going on? <laughs> it wasn't Sirencester either. It was Chippenham in the end. Yeah, Chippenham, um, right. Okay. But no, because I, I had a commercial job in Legth in um, Lincolnshire on oh, Tuesday. You did, didn't you? Yeah. yeah. Um, and and so, I, you know, I did need the fuel. Yeah. I did I did need it, as simple as that. I would have been in a right mess if I had a wedding. yeah. yeah. So I managed to get fuel on the Sunday, right in the middle of all of this this stupidity, and uh, and then the job was cancelled because none of the other people that needed to be there could, could get, get that. in. Oh God! Right. So, oh. Um, but yeah, I'm being pretty frugal with the with the driving at the moment. For um, we're recording this a few days ahead of it going out. By the way, just just in case the news changes tumultuously in the, in the next few days, which is always very likely to do. But for the last couple of days, Kev, I noticed the BBC have stopped doing scaremongery stories about it as the first main um, story. Of course, we've got the ghastly uh, murder story uh, topping uh, our news in this country at the moment. Uh, obviously, you know, should be uh, the first leading story. But I've noticed as I go down. Uh, the list of uh, of stories, and they've sort of they've dropped that off. And I wonder yeah. if somebody had a word with them and said, "Oi, could you just stop it? Wind your neck in." But I did I did notice this morning, uh, Zoe Ball. We both like Zoe Ball on her breakfast show. The uh, the traffic guy started doing messages for uh, for the stations that had run out of petrol. I was thinking, no, we're gonna. Oh dear, we'll have another run. I think generally there probably is a fuel shortage as well, but they're not telling us. No, I don't think there's no, there's no shortage. Well, not a fuel shortage, but a lack of drivers. There's like, a lack, lack of, of drivers. Driver. Don't start saying there's a fuel shortage. Oh, anyway, Kev. listen, it's all bloody people's <laughs> fault. <laughs> it's not their Ridiculous. fault either, no. Gas right, move on. Next question. Roof, Next. No lorry drivers, no petrol. <laughs> we'll be putting 50p's in the back of the telly again come Christmas, I tell you. <laughs> well, no, Boris is going to save Christmas. I no, saw like that was last year. like he did last year. I know <laughs> he was he was fantastic. weren't you good at that last year, Boris? I don't think so. Oh. Right, next question. Yeah, um, let's move on. Do you want another one off uh, off email since that was quite a, a quick question? Uh, Will Collin, hi Kev, hi Neil. Congratulations on reaching the big two zero zero. I wanted to ask about something that's been niggling me. Uh, it's the way that editing software, specifically Capture One, so this might be tricky for us treats film simulations from the image files taken on my Fujifilm cameras. I distinctly recall Kev, so it's all your fault, Kev, saying that when you import raw files into editing as opposed to JPEGs, the film sims aren't actually encoded into the image data. There's just a flag on the image file to note which film sim was used, so the editing software can do its best to recreate the effect. So here's my question. If the film simulation options in Capture One are only the software's best attempt to recreate the real thing, why doesn't it offer me the full list of different simulations, regardless of which camera I use? When I edit my XE3 images, Capture One doesn't offer me classic neg or Eterna bleach bypass, but I can get these when I edit my XT4 images. And in neither case can I get nostalgic negative, which I know is on GFX cameras. Surely if the film sims in Capture One are all software-based recreations, uh, there should be no reason not to offer me every every single option, regardless of which camera I used. Hope you can enlighten me, Will Collin. Right. So, um, yes, I can enlighten Will. And it's quite a complicated answer, though. Stand so by. strap yourselves in. Stand by. Um, so what happens with Lightroom? It's the same in Lightroom, by the way, Capture One. So they have profiles. They they have profiles which are um, a little I mean, they're different they're not they're not just presets if you like profiles are camera specific um, profiling 
color lookup tables, all that kind of stuff that are based on that particular film simulation. Now, profiles are specific to the cameras because the, each of the sensors will produce things in a slightly different way. So, for example, um, the nostalgic neg is not in, in the older cameras because the, those sensors just can't make that production, can't make it look like that. However, you can, if you, uh, we talked about EXIF tool earlier, so you could download EXIF tool and you can change the, the EXIF data of your raw file right. to say it was shot on a X-T4 or a X-Pro3 or whatever. And then you will see the film simulator, the profiles available for the film simulations on those specific cameras. It might not necessarily look exactly the same because those profiles are specifically built for raw files that were made in a camera with that particular sensor. So that's the, that's, that's really the, the reason for it. Uh, you can sidestep it, but ob obviously by sidestepping it, you're not necessarily going to get the greatest results. Um, but yeah, there, so there is, a, there is a very good reason why Capture One and Lightroom both, uh, both do it that way. Hopefully that solved your problem, uh, or at least enlightened you. Uh, Kev? Do you want to take one off Facebook before we do the book of the week? Yeah, I think we should. We haven't been to Facebook yet. No. So uh, Facebook thread. Um, remember, if you put your questions in the thread, um, we will get to it at some point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so um, Don't you know there's a question shortage on? Quick, do a run on questions. As my um, <laughs> as my new tradition to myself yeah. is I always start with the, last, the late, latest question, which was by yes. Jonathan Clapton. All right. Um, and he says, uh, happy 200th and a question for Kev, really. Oh, there we go. Uh, really love the recent 18 mil F 1.4 wedding photos you shared on F 16. Oh okay. yeah, they were Thank great. You. They were really good. Yeah. Yeah. I always worry, you know, because I shot Jonathan's wedding. Yes. I always worry yeah. when, when, yeah. You, but, uh, I wonder if, I hope he was really happy with his pictures as well. Did he never tell you? Uh, yeah, he did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Well, I, I assume he wouldn't you know, write you know, in. Like, yeah. He wouldn't write in now if he wasn't. Um, well, Jonathan's now a, a fairly successful wedding photographer yeah, himself, yeah, so yeah, something yeah. went right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> maybe he thought, well, I could do better than that. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah. uh, so anyway, he goes on to say, despite the wider angle than your usual twenty-three mil, you still seem to get in really close to key moments, particularly the hugs, and really fill the frame. Um, I struggle with this even with 23 mil at weddings. So how do you manage to get so close without impacting on the moment and or getting in people's faces and annoying them? So the answer to that is, Creative. yeah, I actually really noticed it with the 18 mil that yeah. I, I was, um, you know, needed to be a little bit closer, not too much, but a little bit closer, maybe a step or two perhaps, um, which obviously is a little bit more uncomfortable. So the great thing about the 18 mil lens and the, all these new lenses that they've, they release it in the new um, linear motor lenses is, yeah. They will, they're resolving, um, these lenses will resolve against sensors that are bigger than the sensors that we have in our cameras right now, which actually means, doesn't technically mean that you've got a greater scope for cropping, but you are, you will, you should notice um, sharper images, even when they're cropped. Okay. So there's a little bit more latitude there. So some of those images that I put on f16.click were, were cropped. Um, so it wasn't actually as close as it may have appeared. Images in the rear view mirror are not necessarily as close as they appear. <laughs> um, and But the other thing that I always do, regardless which lens I'm using, is it is super important not to just buzz around, click, 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 click in their faces yeah. constantly, you yeah. know, because that will annoy them. Yeah. Um, so normally you'll see, when, especially the hugging stuff, you'll typically see me behind the bride um, shooting over her shoulder. So the people who are giving the hugs 
um, rather than the other way around because you don't want, you know, uh, 50 p- pictures of the bride, you know, giving a hug because that's 50 pictures of her face in the back of the other people's heads. So I'm usually moving around the back. I'm usually buzzing around a little bit, um, changing locations, changing positions, moving, stepping back, stepping back in, all of that stuff. Um, but yes, you, you, you know, you really must not... Um, I think anyway, if you're, if you're marketing yourself as somebody who's going to try and be a fly on the wall, you definitely don't want to be, you know, you want to be a fly on the wall rather than a, a, a rhinoceros on the wall. <laughs> um, you know, so yeah, think about that, but yeah, it's, it's, it's basically speed of movement, back button focusing helps because you focus once, take a couple of shots, move away. It's clearly obvious that you're there. You know, you're the, you, as I always say to my clients, you know, I, I'm not invisible. I'm usually the only single bloke with a camera around his neck at your wedding. But it's also a, a particular type of a time of the, the wedding as well. People are really focusing on the bride or the groom. They're not focusing on you. If you were to do that during the meal time <laughs> to act that way, you'd get an entirely different reaction, wouldn't you? Yeah, of course. You will know if you're overstepping the mark, you know, and I think that manifests itself in several ways. You, you know, if you're, if you're gung ho and you you think right, I'm just I can take fifteen thousand pictures today and yeah. you know and and just get what I want. You will get the pictures. You'll get amazing pictures, yeah. but you will, you know, the memories of the people at that wedding will 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 not be quite the same. Um, so, yeah, you 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 just know it. You just feel it. You feel you know you move with the the rhythm of the wedding. You you you. Uh, Joel Merowitz says you know you've got to be balletic with the scene that you're in. Mm, yeah. uh, be like a ballet dancer, yeah. and it's it's about that movement, about that rhythm, about getting the feeling. For example, I shot a wedding a couple of months back, and it was it was one of those ones where it was a wonderful wedding, really lovely. They all came out to the church, and then everybody stopped because it was so close still to the um, mask wearing, the COVID, all that kind of stuff. Um, nobody did any interactions whatsoever. They all basically stood two meters apart from each other, um, straight outside the church. And the bride and groom were at the other end of the um, of the of the churchyard, so there was no interaction whatsoever. Um, and and then you you step back. You you certainly don't want to be going, you know, getting in people's faces. And regardless whether you're in front or back, whatever you you know, you then think, okay, what's the story here? The story here is much wider. Mm-hmm. So you know, you start taking those types of pictures. But yeah, you get you get a feel for it. I'm just now imagining you in your ballet what's it? I don't know you. What are they, what do they call them? What what are the 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 tutu? What? I'm in my tutu now. No, no, the men wear these. What are they called? Ballet troxits or whatever. You're doing a fleur de watsit against the bar. I'm just seeing you now. Ballet troxits. <laughs> what are they called? What are those tight trousers called? Would you turn oh, up and wear? I could just imagine you, Kev, doing your ballet thing, waltzing <laughs> in there. Joel Merowitz told me to do this. <laughs> no, I'm I'm well and truly in creaky corner. You would be, yeah. Right. Um, book book of the week. Uh, what have we got then, Kev? Okay, so book of the week is uh, Lucy Hamid Dzey, Unfinished Stories. Lovely book, actually. Really beautiful, A4 size, very strong cardboarded. I, I, I'm I'm reluctant to say it's a hardback book, um, although it is hard. It's not glossy hard. It's like hard cardboard. Right. Um, and so uh, I'll read out the the, the um, blurb. Uh, Lucy Hamid does that. I'm just going to say Lucy, right? Lucy is a photographer and writer from Southeast London with a deep affection for unpredictable weather and the hustle and bustle of city life. Her early career was spent working for the Monarch Travel Group, where she spent 20 years honing her skill as a writer and developer and developing a penchant, penchant, penchant for travel and photography. Gosh, she was in the right stories. place for it, wasn't she? Wow. And, yeah, Unfinished Stories is an extensive collection of photographs that capture the daily lives of people 
on the streets, in trains, at cafes, going through their day, <laughs> often without much thought or notice, but captured in an, in an yeah. indelible way by Lucy's eye and camera. Their unfinished stories are the inspiration for her first solo book of words and pictures, making a lasting glimpse at the fleeting moments she encounters on the streets of London. Yeah, um, yeah and it's a really, really, I picked this up at the photography show, and uh, it's a... It's a street photographer's dream. This book, if you're into street photography, and you know, it's a little bit like I like, you know, when you, if I'm, I like reading crime novels and watching crime TV shows and things like that that are based in places that I know, so I can relate to them. Um, and it's a little bit like the, you know, the, the street photography is. I love it when it's all London based because I know London very well. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, so you're looking at these pictures and you're thinking, oh, I know where that is, and and you know, as a street photographer, you, you think not only is it inspirational, but it's given you some really cool ideas. And she does some amazing, amazing kind of very clever work with reflections, shooting through windows, um, just capturing people. Um, Some amazing black and white work with um, like where the the light is popping out of the the scene and the rest is, you know, spot metering we would probably be using for that kind of thing. And and really the interesting element of this book is, uh, or one of the interesting elements is, because she is such a good writer also, there is a little description, there is a little kind of story, um, but it's not It's not simply I was watching this scene and this unfold, you know, it's, there's, there's a little kind of uh, poetic musings going on. So, for example, I'm looking at uh, one on page 120 and it is a uh, black and white picture of a guy sound church steps um, and a lady walking by and, uh, and the words underneath that are, but now you are nothing but a piece of my past, a memory that is constantly fading. I know you loved books and milk and tea. You love so many things and I'm sure you even loved me. So she's built narrative around the pictures yeah, that she's I think made. It's wonderful. Wow. Um, it's a really, really wonderful book. And uh, you, you know, some of the, some of the images are actually, you know, it's like a really close up pictures of people doing the crosswords and things like that, you know, and it's, curated very well this book so you have a whole series a sequence of hands if you like close-ups of people's hands um so there's there's uh this particular section is stolen moments and this first page is is a close-up of a, a hand that's been heavily tattooed and then you have a really beautiful black and white of a, a little child with his hand on a probably a bus window but obviously during the rain so you know you've got all the, the rain and everything there's somebody else pointing at something on or probably on a london underground notice board pointing at the tube map perhaps and then the reflection of that and then there's a whole series of people writing as well yeah. um writing you know people journaling in coffee shops and everything she does spend a lot of time on the the london underground doesn't she uh, it yeah seems to be a, a, a very good know, sort of it's a rich hunting ground for her it's wonderful. I love this whole sequence of of, of people writing and reading and everything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I love it. I, I, honestly, this is probably one of the books, the more recent, you know, in, in, in kind of recent times that I've picked up and, and I've thought that is actually such a good idea. Um, yeah, you know, often I is. pick up photography books and I just think, wow, these are beautiful and I love the stories and I love the memories and everything. But I'm not necessarily thinking that here. I'm thinking these are really 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 cool ideas as well yeah um you know and and done so well so well um yeah really 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 cool book can, can very you pull, well pull produced out, can you pull out one of the narratives from one of those pages where um where she's pictured somebody writing then to see what that un- unfinished story would be okay so there's a man um uh, he's jotting so he's he's got a piece of paper in his hand 
and uh, I can't read what's on there, but it, it looks like um, the clues. It's the clues to a crossword, right? So it's the yeah. clues to a crossword, oh, yeah. and he's writing a. He's he's trying to figure out an anagram. He's writing those words, uh, letters. Oh, he's done them in a circle, hasn't he? That's right. He's done them in the circle, well, and the, the words the words she's written are: yeah. "You were always too good for me. I'm way too practical and far too sober without you. You were like a lovely poison. I still kept coming back to, but." And far too functional, living a life of routine that makes far too much sense. What an amazing idea, Kev. That's yeah, but, just you know, in- inspirational. Wow. Yeah. She's, I mean, the pictures are fantastic. Yeah. But then to sit there and, and, and it's not cliche nonsense. It's, it's, um, no. it's beautiful prose. It's prose. That's what it is. It's prose. Yeah. And, and also get this. And it smells good. Yeah. Can you smell it? I can, right here. No, that's the pizza place in Marlow Bottom. <laughs> uh, no, really, really cool book. Really wonderful book. So yeah. this is uh, Lucy Hamid Dazay. I'm really sorry, Lucy. Hamid Zadeh. Hamid Zadeh, is it? Yeah. Unfinished Stories. Yeah. Currently available, uh, RRP on the back of the book is uh, 30 US dollars. So that's no good to us. But you it? bought it um, at the... Ph- I bought it at the photography show. Photography show. Yeah. I thought, yes, yeah, that's what you said. Yeah, yeah. Um, God, you must have spent a fortune, Kev, if you went to the bookstores. It, uh, well, I did. I bought three books, one of which I already had, which mm. I'd forgotten about. Right, okay. Yes. We should speak to be- Lucy on the show. Uh, it would be a great pleasure to have her on the show, wouldn't it? Really would. Yeah. Right, question. Have we got time for questions? Uh, do you want to do one from Facebook or shall I go for another one from, from the... Um, the emails we've got quite a few emails in actually go for an email then yeah okay this is from margie benson hi kev hi neil i recently discovered the fuji cast um she also found my little uh, photography daily one as well i've become a big fan uh the technical info and moving stories have helped fuel my desire to pick up a camera again i plan to purchase my first serious digital camera soon And after wading through a lot of videos and blogs created by a variety of people, be careful there, make sure that they say at the start, I didn't buy, I I bought this camera with my own money. Isn't that what you're supposed to look out for? Um, Some some who seem to be a bit more knowledgeable and professional uh, and so with a little little less bias than others. I'm leaning toward the Fuji investment. Spending two or three thousand dollars is a big deal, though, and I'm really hoping to make a good decision. I'm wondering if you both might chat about why Fuji is the right fit for you. What do you love about it? What impresses you? I'd love to hear anything that you'd like to share. Thank you for your knowledge, humor and inspiration. Warmest uh, from Margie in Utah in the States, of course. Um, well, it's about, what Margie didn't write here was what she was going to be photographing because, of course, that would make a big difference, wouldn't it, um, with, with what, what, what we would suggest or what she would choose. For example, I absolutely love now. Um, it's become the camera that is always with me when I travel anywhere. It's the X100V. Absolutely adore it. And I've, it's even got its own little bag now, Kev, um, um, with a divider, funnily enough so that it doesn't clatter into the X-Pro1. Yeah, I mean, I, if, it, it's hard for... <laughs> bloody dividers. It's hard for us to... I thought I got away with that one. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard for us. Sorry, I was, I was looking at Lucy, Lucy's website. And oh, on right, it. OK. Yeah. Um, it's hard for us to... You know, because what works for one person may not work for the other. But basically, the, 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 the best advice I can give on, on, on this kind of question is yeah. uh, rent one or go to a camera store. Yes. Uh, you know, ha- most camera stores will, will you know, they'll, they'll hold on to your passport or something like that. They'll let you go out with a camera. Go out for an hour with a Sony. Go out for an hour with a Fujifilm. Go out for an hour with a, a Canon, Nikon, whatever, you know, whatever you want. Yeah. 
um, and see which one works best because that's ultimately the only way you're going, you're going to figure it out. Um, I, Fujifilm in the UK do uh, loan deals as well. I'm, uh, I know that that's obviously she's not in the UK. Um, so wherever, I'm not sure whether it's Canada or America. But no, Utah, the, Utah in the States. Oh, Utah. So yeah. uh, Fujifilm USA, I'm not sure if they do the similar kind of thing, but yeah. camera dealers will. And uh, I went to Utah once. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> I was waiting for something then. You were going to say, and we did X, but nothing, no, I went on a, um, nothing came. I, I was on a, uh, a Greyhound bus. We did, I did like uh, this, it was a 36 hour journey on a Greyhound so bus. So you passed thing. through Utah, but you didn't actually get out. We stopped right. in a service station in Utah. Because they had to eject a man off the bus who did was they? Um, one of your mates. He was, uh, yeah, he was in a bad place, that, that oh, guy. We'd right. gone from, we were going from Las Vegas. So we knew we'd, we started in Las Vegas, picked up his greyhound. God, and, how long uh, is that journey, Kev? That's miles. Oh, it was a long way. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't 36 hours, but it was, it was, you know, it was a good 15 hour bus journey. Yeah. It was a great experience. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I loved it. I really, I, that's what I wanted to do, you know, greyhound. And we stopped in the middle of the night in Utah. And it was, um, it was my first honeymoon right so with my first wife and we'd gone to the united states we'd done we did eight weeks in america yeah. and we got married in the december so we we, we we our first stop was los angeles which is nice and warm in december i mean not not like warm as it would be in august but a lot warmer than it was in in the uk and then we we kind of made our way around some ski resorts and stuff like that and we got we, we were we ended up in las vegas and then uh, we were going to uh, we were going to another ski resort. Oh, we were going. We we're heading to Colorado. That's where we were going Ooh, nice. um, to go skiing. So we got a bus. We got a bus from Las Vegas to Colorado, and, uh, and which took us via Utah. And we stopped in this middle of the night in this service station. And we I got off this bus, and it was bitterly cold, like mm. bitterly bitterly cold. We'd come from Las Vegas where we were mm. wearing shorts to you know get off this bus. And it was one of those places that I was not a photographer in those days. And, uh, you know, I was probably in the middle of an argument with my then new wife. And <laughs> it was one of those places that if I'd had a camera would have been the most amazing place. Yeah. Because God. it was just full of like vagrants and, you know, peep cars that had, you know, driven for hundreds of thousands of miles and just needed somewhere to fill up and everything. I've always, I've always wanted to go across America on one of those, those Greyhound buses, but the ones that have the windows that open, Kev, but I don't think they do now, do they? I mean, the old ones that you see in the movies with people like Morgan Freeman, some people this, this say. Was a, yeah, this wasn't suppose. one of those old, oh, like, 60s no, one, but right. it was, it was a proper Greyhound. It was oh, it shaped, was, right. You know, it was a proper grey-shaped one that yeah. bent at the front and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure they do them anymore, but yeah, it was, it was great. I remember the the thing I remember most about that bus journey was the driver. I was we were sat near the front, <laughs> and he kept like I could see he was getting tired, and right. so to to beat his tiredness, right. he had a um a Walkman. It was a tape Walkman, you know, right. one of the old Sony Walkmans. Yeah. And he spent at one point he spent about twenty minutes looking through his tape collection and changing the tapes what? And was, while he was driving with one hand in the middle of the <laughs> night, uh, you know, on these mountains in in Colorado or wherever. I was like, oh my god, <laughs> are we ever going to get to the other side? Ah, oh. I'll tell you what, we should do a road trip like that, Kev. Yeah, I mean, obviously, cool. I won't come with the benefits that your first wife came with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully, you won't take my house off either. <laughs> but I love your iPhone. <laughs> don't start again don't start again well that's it for another week uh, thank you to Peter Dench our uh, our guest and of course we'll link to uh, Peter's work and uh, Lucy Hamazade's um, f- fantastic well I mean 
Kev, I, I've got to say, I mean, I you review a lot of books, and I often look at them, and we join in and we, we pitter-patter about them. But as I was listening to you reading it, I was thinking, what? I mean, what a sensational idea. It was one of those ideas where, where you think, oh, I wish I'd have thought of that, isn't it, really? Um, yeah, but, you know, yes. I mean, she is. She titles herself as a photographer and writer, and that's a very, very true. Yeah, she most certainly is. If you'd like to get your questions in for next week, please do send them to the uh, the email addresses, which is click at fujicast.co.uk. Or, of course, how do they do it for Facebook, Kev? Facebook, there's a thread pinned to the top. Stick your questions in there. And, of course, you can be bumped to the front yes, on Patreon. If you become a, a Patreon member. Uh, music from Artlist. Uh, the extra music that we have um, and uh, we will see you back here next week Kev I'm, I'm hoping you're going to sort out your problems with that phone in the meantime so bye uh, bye the Fujicast is an independent loading zone production email the show with your questions and words of wisdom to click at fujicast.co.uk email any complaints and political nonsense to our wives who will deal with your comments in their own good time and in their own good way